Ah, everyone, welcome to Reading by Flashlight. Sit down, grab a drink, grab a snack, whatever is nearest to you, I guess. We are going to be continuing our podcast series on the Ichabog, written by J.K. Rowling, and we will be starting off with chapter 27, which is titled Kidnapped. But before we begin, if you haven't checked out previous episodes, make sure to do that. And also follow the podcast and turn notifications on whether you're watching on Apple Podcast or Spotify. So that way you can follow our podcast and see what's going on and you can be notified whenever a new episode of it comes out. So thank you for listening and let's get into it. So chapter 27 starts off with Daisy arriving home after school and she has something that she wants to tell her dad because she always, you know, stops by and checks in with him before she, you know, settles down. So she goes and look, tries to look for her dad in his workshop, but she's not there. The, the furniture is gone, the pictures on the walls are gone, you know, the rug, the lamp, the stove, everything's just missing. And before she really has like a few seconds to process what's actually happening, immediately the sack is thrown over her head, she feels his hand clamped around her mouth, Her she drops her books to the floor and she's just struggling and fighting against whoever has her. And this rough voice she hears says, if you make a noise, we're going to kill your father. So Daisy, who was just about to scream at the top of her lungs, you know, very quickly decided to stop. And she was put into a wagon and she heard horses trying. So she was obviously being taken somewhere. And she knew she was somewhere out more in the country. And so it says that the man who'd kidnapped Daisy was a member of the Ichabog Defense Brigade, who obviously worked for Spittleworth and Flapoon. And his name was Private Prod. And so Spittleworth had told him to get rid of the Dovetail Girl. And so Prod understood Spittleworth to mean that he was to kill her. And he he was right for thinking this because Spittleworth had selected Prod for killing Daisy because he was fond of using his fists, I guess, and didn't really care who he hurt, whether it was his little eight-year-old girl. So he was driving through and he realized he found a place where he could very easily strangle her and bury her. But it slowly dawned on him that he wasn't really going to be able to do it because he had a niece around Daisy's age and was really fond of her. And it kind of, there was some similarities between the two. And he's like, I can't do this. I can't kill this little innocent girl, which now should be common sense, actually. But I guess it wasn't for him. So he was trying to figure out where he was going to take her instead. So he remembered this this really old woman who lived on the outskirts of Jeroboam, which happened to be his hometown. And everyone called this old woman Ma Grunther because she took in a lot of orphans and she was paid one um, coin a month for each child that she had living with her. And no boy or girl had ever succeeded in running away from her. So this was a really good place to put Daisy there because the last thing he wants is for Daisy to be found somewhere and his job would be ruined. So they finally alive, he grabs her and takes her to Ma Grunther's door and pounds on it. And someone from inside is like, all right, all right, I'm coming. And so he says, well, here's a new child for you. And it says, now you might think that Ma Grunther was alarmed to see this child carried in his sack, but you know, she'd had people come like this to her before. So it, it, it wasn't new. And so Prod has to pay a fee for a placement fee for uh, leaving her there. And so he gives it to her, climbs back into the wagon, and he goes away. And it was like, even if he 
it cost him half of his month's pay. Prod was glad to have gotten rid of the problem, and he drove as fast as he could back to the capital. Chapter 28 is titled Ma Grunter. So Ma Grunter asks Daisy, what's your name? And Daisy said, my name's Daisy. And she said, your name's not Daisy, it is Jane. And so she was kind of confused about this because she had already mentioned all the Janes upstairs. You know, why is everyone named Jane here? So, and Daisy would soon find out that she did the same thing to every single child who arrived in this house. Every girl was renamed Jane and every boy was renamed John. And so Daisy said it again. She said, no, my name is Daisy Dovetail. I was named after my mother's favorite flower. And so Ma Grunter is like, your mother is dead. And Daisy said, well, yes, that's true. My mother is dead. And Ma Grunter said, so is your father. She said, my father is very alive. And so Ma Grunter, who at this point doesn't really care at all about the children, I'm going to assume, says, no, he isn't. Your father is as dead as a doornail and your name is Jane. So Daisy's about to say, no, my name is Daisy. But then uh, Ma Grunter's cane comes swinging at her. And so she's like, let's try that again. Your father is dead and your name is Jane. And Daisy's refusing to do anything. She runs around and is running everywhere trying to escape this woman's grasp. And she's like, say it. And so she would say, my father's alive and my name is Daisy. She's just defying her again and again and again. And eventually she got locked in the attic. And every hour, Ma Grunter would come back and say, what's your name? And this passed for hours and hours and hours. And she would always say Daisy Dovetail. And she was always stuck in the attic for another hour. So eventually, she still realizes that her name is Daisy and that her father is still alive, but she needs to play along because, you know, she's been in there for a while. She's hungry. She's tired. She's, she needs food. And so she's like, my name is Jane. My father is dead. And Ma Grunter's like, very good. You can come down here. And so one of the Janes comes to her and she's like, you lasted a lot longer than most of them. So Daisy said, what's your name? Your real name? And so the girl considers... Uh, to tell her and she says well we're not allowed to tell but Daisy said I promise I won't tell so she whispers to her Martha and so Daisy says pleased to meet you Martha I'm Daisy Dovetail and my father is alive and chapter 29 is called Mrs. Beamish Worries so Spittleworth had made sure the story uh, went around that the Dovetail family had just packed up in the middle of the night and moved to a neighboring country like yeah that's that's really convincing and Bert and Miss Beamish are just really heartbroken about this. They realize that they were kind of in the wrong for yelling and screaming at uh, Daisy and her dad. And they're just really upset about the whole matter. Chapter 30 is called The Foot. So a month has passed since Mr. Dovetail has been put into the jail. And he's working really hard on this foot so he'll be able to see Daisy again. So eventually his hard work paid off and the foot was done. And Major Roche, Spittleworth, and Flapoon came to inspect it. And they're like, this looks really good. I think it's going to work very well for us. And so Spittleworth said, you've done very well. I'll tell them to give you extra rations tonight. And Mr. Dovetail was like, but you said that I'd be able to go free if I finished. You know, please, you have to let me see my daughter, please. And so Spittleworth is like, don't touch me, you traitor. You should be grateful I didn't have you put to death. I may yet still release you, but if this foot doesn't do the trick, so if I were you, I'd pray that my plan works. Chapter 31 is called The Disappearance of a Butcher. So Spittleworth and his men were using the foot to use and making these big long imprints along the roads and stuff and causing wreckage to make it look like the Ichabog really had rampaged through the city. They even went into one of the neighboring houses and carried away some of the people inside, took their 
Uh, they didn't have any children, but it was his husband and wife. Took them out of the house, bound them, and gagged them, and threw them into the wabbit. And they were probably going to dispose of them later on to make it look like the Ichabog really did take someone. They went through the house, and they smashed up furniture, smashed up things to look, make it look like this giant creature had come in and wrecked it. They cut off heads of chickens to look like, you know, there's just blood and feathers everywhere. And they just covered up the tracks that they had left and then they went away and they're just like, we're gonna see what happens tomorrow. Chapter 32 is called A Flaw in the Plan. So, you know, everyone in the morning, it just sees this whole wreckage and this destruction and ruin of this house. You know, a whole family is gone. All his animals are dead. His entire house has been wrecked. Everyone's just super scared and gathered together discussing, you know, how the Ichabod get in here without anyone else seeing him. And so uh, Spittleworth had a spy in the group to kind of make sure that the plan was going along right. And so he went, the spot, the spy went up to someone and was like, terrifying, isn't it? The size of its feet, you know, this, the length of its claws. And so one of the neighbors, one of the man's neighbors straightened up and he was frowning and he was like, well, it was hopping. And then the spy was like, excuse me? And the man said, it's hopping. Look, it's the same left foot over and over again. Either the Ichabod's hopping or... Now, he didn't finish the sentence, but it's pretty clear that he was very skeptical of the Ichabod. He was probably going to say something like, either the Ichabod's hopping or this is just someone's idea of a joke. And he didn't finish the sentence, obviously, but the look on the spy's face was just so alarmed. And instead of heading for the tavern like he was supposed to, he mounted his horse again and just galloped off towards the palace. Like... They needed to fix this problem quickly. And chapter 33 is called King Fred is Worried. So they related this all back to King Fred and he's super skeptical about this. He's like, I mean, finally, he has some common sense. He's like, how did he, how did the Ichabod get past the fences? If all this money that you guys have been collecting is going towards this defense brigade and these weapons and defenses and soldiers why did none of that stop it or why were we not alerted sooner you know why did none of what you're putting the money towards work and they're like we don't know it just it's just not enough whatever we have in the defense we have defenses we have weapons we have soldiers but we don't have enough he said uh spittleworth is like we're going to need to double the ichabod tax and Fred's like, well, I mean, I guess that does make sense. Since the Ichabod, you know, was able to break in with everything we had, we need, we need more. And he was just really skeptical about this. And even Lady Islanda had come to him and King Fred was saying, Lady Islanda told me that people are complaining that the Ichabod tax is too high. And she says that rumors are flying that there aren't even any troops stationed in the north. And Spittleworth is like, that's not true. But really, he's like, yes, they are. There are no troops anywhere. And so he's like, hmm, yeah, maybe those soldiers aren't really doing any good. So we're going to need more soldiers. He says, why don't, why don't we triple the Ichabod tax? And so King Fred, who kind of is just very, I think, vulnerable and just scared at the moment, is like, yeah, that's a good idea. We need to do that in order to keep the city safe. And so the spy from before who had, who was in the area of the man who had said that he thought that the Ichabod was hopping came and rode in and whispered in Spittleworth's ear and he's like your majesty I have to leave it's just this uh, small issue with my uh horse oh yeah right sure horse uh chapter 34 three more feet so Spittleworth very angry goes down to Mr. Dovetail and he's like okay I need you to make me one more left foot and two more right feet do you understand me and he's like am I going to be able to see Daisy again 
you know? And Spittleworth is like, of course you're going to be able to see her. I'll save the wo I'll have the wood delivered to you first thing tomorrow morning. Work hard, and then when you're finished, I'll let you out and see your daughter. And so he takes these two guards with him, and he's like, I'm going to pay you really highly if you can do this for me. He says, I want you to follow Lady Islanda morning, noon, and night. You just be with her all the time. And when you wait for a moment when she is alone, when you're sure that she's alone, kidnap her. And if she escapes or if you are seen, I shall deny that I ever gave you this order and I will put you to death. And they're like, what are we to do when we got her? And Spittleworth is like, hmm, well, a lady of the court isn't the same as a butcher. We can't just, the Ichabod can't just end her and eat her. So I think it's best if you would take Lady Aslanda to my estate in the country. Send word to me when you got her there, and then I will join you. <laughs> like smirking, kind of. And like doing that, I imagine doing him that thing where like, you do like the V on your chin, and then you like, you're like, I don't know what it's called. Not the V on your chin, but like, where you're just doing that thing where your fingers go in. I don't know what it's called. Like, where he's rubbing his chin with, like, an evil smirk. Yeah, that's what I imagine him doing right now. Anyway, chapter 35, Lord Spittleworth's proposal. So, just a few days later, they were able to capture her, and they had her um, brought to Spittleworth's estate, and they sent word to Spittleworth and waited for him to join before they did anything else. So, he summoned Lady... So, Spittleworth summoned Lady Islanda's maid, whose name was Mil Millicent, and he threatened to murder Melissa's little sister and forced her to deliver messages to all of Lady Islanda's friends, telling them that the mistress had decided to run away and become a nun. And so all her friends were really shocked by this because this was never something she brought up. This was really skeptical and that was not, they knew this was not something that she would decide to do. And so Spittleworth finally arrives at his estate and she he sees Lady Islanda who's just waiting for him. And he's like, good evening, my lady. And she's like looking at him in silence. And Spittleworth says, smiling, I have some good news for you. You are to become the wife of the chief advisor. And Lady Islanda just says like it's this normal thing. She says, I would sooner die. And so he keeps trying to convince her like, come on, I need a wife. And she's like, I would rather die than marry you. And so he said that he would have bars fitted on the windows. He would have... His butler bring her food three times a day and she would only ever leave the room to be able to go to the bathroom and she was just gonna live there and be in prison. And she says, well, I guess I'm gonna die in this room. Or perhaps, who knows, maybe I'll die in the bathroom. And so as he couldn't get another word out of her, he just left. Chapter 36 is titled Cornucopia Hungry. And it says that at this point, uh, five years has passed since the last chapter. And this t really tiny, rich kingdom of Cornucopia is run down it's just in a mess all the people are really poor right now because you know the Ichabod tax was tripled people weren't able to pay up with that and just business and the economy is just ruined and over these several years you know people who were voicing their doubts about doubts about the Ichabod were just being attacked and would receive a visit from the dark footers which was what Spittleworth and Flapoon called the men who um would place the tracks and they would murder the unbelievers in the night and leave footprints around the victims' houses as a way to kind of get the people to think that the Ichabod had come through again and in order to keep their secret undercover. And just everything was going really bad for the people there. 
And the last chapter we'll go over is chapter 37, which is called Daisy and the Moon. So it says that Ma Grunter's orphanage has changed a great deal since Daisy had showed up because the broken down building was now enormous and stone and the, there were bars on all the windows. There was locks on every door. You know, she's profited a lot from the downhill of the economy. And at this point, she'd also been with Ma Grunter for about six years. And she was just trying to stay with hope and to not give up and to be encouraged that there's some way she was going to get out of there in some way that she would be able to help the people of Cornucopia. And this is kind of what kept her going throughout her stay there. So thank you for listening to this week's episode of Reading by Flashlight. Make sure to come by next week as we'll go over the next 10 or so chapters. Make sure to tell friends that you think would like to listen to this Ichabog uh, season and just make sure to come back next week listen to previous episodes previous seasons whatever and i'll see you next time